local and small businesses around the world are now using technology to do things that only the most complicated enterprises could do even five, six, eight years ago. And that's all possible um, because of technology like Kaseya making their computing infrastructure stable. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone, today we have Fred Vacola, who's the CEO of Kaseya, which is an IT infrastructure management company. Fred, how's it going? That's going great. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you give us a little kind of background on who you are and what your story is? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm very proud to say I grew up in New Jersey and, uh, you know, I, I got into the technology business or the software business uh, when I was in college. I started a company in college and, you know, sold it. And I've just always been interested in technology that disrupts industries and makes people's lives a lot easier. You know, over the past, I guess, 20 years or so, I hate to say that because it makes me date myself, but <laughs> over the past over the past 20 years or so, you know, I started uh, a couple of companies and, you know, was lucky enough to be to be associated with some really smart people. And, you know, we sold a couple of them. One identify software we sold to BMC. Uh, another software company was called Trust Technologies. And we sold that to uh, FGI Global. Uh, and then after that, you know, I started working with entrepreneurs who, you know, got their companies to a certain point, but needed help scaling and really growing them. And you know, I got involved with a couple of companies there, one called Nolio, which we ended up selling to Computer Associates, one called Yodel, um, which we sold to Acom. Ah. And uh, most recently, I, I took over about uh, two and a half years ago, Kaseya, uh, where I'm at now and just, just having a great time. It's a lot of fun. Great. And so you mentioned that you, you come into companies at certain points to help them grow. I mean, what point do you come in at? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a great question. and it, it depends on a number of factors, but I think the commonality would be someone like with, you know, like myself or with skill sets like that, when the, the, the entrepreneurs that founded the business, either they quite frankly want to cash out and get liquidity, but more often than not, it's when the skills that are so critical to get a business, you know, off the ground and get your first, you know, 10, 20, 100, 200 customers, whatever it may be, whenever it gets past that point and you still need to have that innovative approach and the entrepreneurial approach, but you also, you know, you have to build and scale a repeatable business, balancing the the entrepreneurial side with the building and the scaling side. That's a skill set that a lot of what makes people successful as a founder often uh, isn't necessarily the same skill set that makes them successful as a scaler of the business. So I typically come in when the business is into scale mode and, you know, looking to either go public or, you know, potentially recap out, uh, you know, at a, at, a, at a very large valuation to like a private equity firm or someone like that. Got it. And so when you say, when you say scale mode, I mean, what kind of revenues are you ballpark? Are you looking at, or is it just depend on the business? 
It really depends on the business. Um, and I'll give you some specifics so I don't just give you the standard kind of BS politically correct answer. Uh-huh. But like take a company like Kaseya. You know, uh, I, I came on board here. You know, we'll do – so I've been here for about two and a half years. You know, for 2017, we'll be north of $200 million in revenue. So, you know, the company was around like 75, 85 million, you know, in revenue when I got here. And, you know, hopefully by the end of 2018, just next year, we're looking around 275 million or so of revenue. So, you know, I think scalability can be very different. You know, the the company Nolio, um, you know, I, I got involved and it was doing around 11 or 12 million of revenue, you know, so it really just depends on what the company is, what the skill sets are, and and also what the objectives are of the of the investors and the uh, and, and you know the owners of the business. Got it. Okay, great. So you mentioned, and actually, just to back up a second again, I mean, you you talked about specific skill sets to scaling because obviously, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs slash founders, and you know, they like growing stuff or getting things going in the very beginning. But you know, when it comes to growing a business, when it comes to you know process and kind of scaling, they don't have that, right? So, what kind of skill sets are you kind of alluding to that you kind of built up over the years? Yeah, and it's. I think it's important to recognize that entrepreneurial skill sets are critical to have as you scale a high growth business. You know, like take Kaseya, where I'm at now. I mean, we're growing, you know, anywhere from depending on how you want to measure it, 35 to 50 percent a year, right? Whether it's bookings or revenue or however you want to look at it. That's you know, when when you're doing 200 million a year, you know, if we're going to do, if we'll grow 30, 35 percent next year, that's you know, we're, we're not a small company and we have a pretty big growth rate. So, you know, I think when you look at the executives at a company like Kaseya, you know, maintaining the entrepreneurial focus, being able to constantly make pivots, being able to recognize rapid changes in the market and be able to capitalize on them very quickly, move fast, fail fast, measure things, recognize things is important. So I always say there's a difference between being an entrepreneur and being entrepreneurial. You know, an entrepreneur is the, you know, obviously is the extreme definition of someone that has entrepreneurial skill sets. However, they might not have skill sets in the area of fiscal discipline, of measuring things. You know, very often entrepreneurs have incredibly good cognitive capability to take a lot of data, a lot of unstructured data, meaning data they get from their own experiences of talking to the market, process that and make decisions about it. You know, and, and it's 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 um, you know, it's it's, it's a very good skill set. It's one of the many skill sets that entrepreneurs have. However, there comes a point where that needs to be balanced with quantified data. You have to have systems that give you that data. So you're making decisions not just based on 25 customer experiences and trusting your gut and your talent, but you're making decisions based on, I'll say, in addition to that, hard data customer experiences, and you have to build an organization that allows you to do that. You have to hire the right kinds of people. You have to be comfortable giving up some levels of decision-making and autonomy to get really, really capable, smart executives as a part of your team that can help you get the company to the next level. You know, those aren't skill sets that are very common in entrepreneurs. So those are some of the things that I've seen uh, entrepreneurs kind of you know look for other types of folks to help out with when the business gets to a certain level and they want to quote unquote scale it. It involves other people empowering other people, having very disciplined approaches to measuring the business while not becoming robots and while not losing the entrepreneurial 
elements of the business. And that's why most of the companies that I've gone into, you know, ones that I, I've taken over, the founders of the business or the entrepreneurs usually have a very important role in the team because you, you still need that capability that they bring. Great. And so, you know, how does someone find a Fred Vicola? What kind of skills should they be kind of searching for literally in Google? What kind of titles should they be looking for? How do you find a Fred Vicola to help grow a business from 75 to 250 a year? Hang out on the, in the New Jersey shore in Monmouth County and you'll see me at any place playing live music, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I, I don't know if I would say somewhat of my skill sets. I, I don't know if mine are, are, are good, bad, average, and different. But I think that when people are looking to find like, you know, some, some management assistance or like a CEO to help them take a scale of business, two different things. One is what are you looking for? And two is how do you find them? You know, I, I think that someone who's been an entrepreneur in their life, They've actually had to make payroll. You know, I always say to people, if you've never had to figure out a way of making payroll, you know, where you have people that are dependent on you and, you know, it's your money at stake and, you know, you don't, you're not sitting on $50 million in, in, in the bank because you've raised all this venture money or whatever it may be. If you have to struggle to make payroll, it gives you a different appreciation for business and for your customers and for what's really important and how to conduct business. So, I always say someone who's, who's been there as an entrepreneur or a business owner and someone who also has had good mentors along the way or mentors along the way. I've been very fortunate. I've had a couple of great mentors. My dad was a great mentor, uh, a gentleman, Yoki Slonim. He founded a company called Mercury Interactive. He was my partner and, and, and he was actually my boss at Identify Software. Those are the kinds of things that are important because relying on other people and surrounding yourself with the right people are the skills that need to be found. And it's not the most common thing that you find people that have done it. In terms of if I'm a, a private equity firm or, a, or an entrepreneur looking to find like a, a CEO or someone to help in my business, I always think the best place to go, and I do this when I hire executives all the time, is I look to my network and I look to the people that I trust and try to leverage their network. And I think it's kind of a roundabout way of, of getting to a different topic, but it's it's so relevant. And that is managing an individual's network is so critical, not because it'll help you find your next job, but it will help you find the people that will make you successful and help you make connections to people that will make you successful. So, you know, people that have had experience as an entrepreneur and then also had some type of single functional experience either before or after they've had their entrepreneurial experience is probably where where I would go to look for to find you know people in that in that kind of skill set got it so there, there's two directions I want to take this but I mean you you just caught my eye with the you know my ear I should say with the whole managing your network thing because I as we talked about before this I've done like a ton of interviews on this podcast you know I do a lot of dinners things like that but I just know I have this powerful network but I haven't been able to wrangle it so I'm curious like what's what's the vocola way of managing his network yeah I think um first off it's it's oh you know whether we're introverts or extroverts as human beings, if you think about it, people are pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like if, if you just think about life's experience and, you know, what happens in, the, in our past and hopefully in our long, long futures, God willing, right, is you get to meet a lot of super interesting people that have had just amazing experiences. So being just intellectually curious and being curious about humanity as a human being is such a great skill set because you just meet so many cool kick-ass people right? that just that, that know things and have interests that you would never even think about. So I tend to look at it where 
you know, we all have our personal friends and our families and people that we, you know, we're tight with. I like to meet people and actually hang out with people that are completely different than me. When I say hang out with, I mean, you know, professionally socialize with, right? Or network with, whatever terminology you want to use. And for me, it's, it's a lot about forcing, not manufacturing, but ensuring that I maintain contact in a meaningful way with people. And I find that can only happen if I'm generally interested in them. And if I'm generally interested in the things that they do and that they say. I'll give you a real life story. We have an executive position here at Kaseya. Uh, as, as we're growing, right, we're hiring lots of people. I need to hire someone who, you know, it's not the easiest skill set to find. I, I, I probably won't go into super detail on it because I don't want to like reveal people's names and everything, but it's, it's not the easiest skill set to find. And I have four people that came to me from my network, two people that I had I, that are in my direct network and two people that came from, you know, one or two levels removed inside of a week, you know, and it's, it's saved. I mean, otherwise the route of hiring a headhunter uh, or an executive recruiter and spending three to six months to find someone. And then that someone, you know, there's a 50% chance that someone probably isn't going to work out. If you play the, play the numbers, it's, it's, you know, it's very disappointing. So I find it uh, just finding a, a way or a process. And I mean, a structured process. It's something that requires work and effort um, just to make sure that that network continues to be, to be curated. So let's go with these four. Let's go with these four people, right? Uh, I guess you know the four people that gave you um, some candidates, right? So how did you go about reaching out to them? Did you just text them? Was it like a LinkedIn post or a Facebook post? What what happened there? Yeah. So um, uh, the first two were people that were like in my direct network. I picked up the phone and called them and said, "Hey, X Y Z, what are you up to? Here's an opportunity I might have, and it might work out." And the other two, as I put my feelers out to my network, which I prefer to do things a little old fashioned. I like to pick up the phone and call people. I just find it easier, you know, and, and or maybe even send an email just saying, hey, let's chat. What do you think? That sort of thing. Gave a description of kind of what, you know, one of the problems or challenges I had. And people are always willing to help, you know, and whether it's for self-serving reasons or for altruistic reasons, people are always willing to help. So I made two, three dozen phone calls, came up with four candidates. I'm not exaggerating within a week. And, you know, one of them has accepted the offer to join. And anybody who's run businesses know people are everything, man. Like it's the most important part. Oh, by far. And it, it helped out like, oh, dude, by far. And um, it was super helpful. So, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the way that, um, you know, that we run through. Is, is that answering your question, Eric? Is that, is that helpful? hundred percent. I think this is really good because this kind of, a, you know, we, we talk, I talk about, you know, hiring people and great people all the time. Usually we, we talk a lot about marketing actually on this podcast, but I, I think this is super important. This is, you know, the ultimate kind of growth hack or whatever you want to call it, the growth of business. What actually caught my ear, like, like again, this time was, well, you said something about instead of just, you know, networking, whatever, you're actually making sure that you're genuinely interested, right? You're following up with people. So what I thought was interesting is I have this one uh, friend from high school where she's really diligent about continually checking in and following up. Even till now, we're way out of high school yep. checking in with me. So wh wh how do you go about kind of continuing to, you know, stay relevant or stay top of mind with um, your network? Do you do anything special there? I'm just wondering tactically, what do you do? It's funny because it's so, it's so second nature now because it's a part of, you know, it's a part of like who I am. You know, I consider people that are in my network and people that I work with, you know, a lot of them are friends. Um, a lot of them are very good acquaintances. So it's, you know, it, it probably is a selfish thing. I just like to to be in contact with them, you know, and just see what's what's happening. So you know, there's always the, 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 by the way, very timely, the holidays are a great 
I hate to use the word excuse, but a great excuse to reach out to everyone. You know, how was your year? You know, what are you looking at for the next year? How are your holidays? How's your family doing? You know, is there, you know, how's life? Like that kind of stuff, right? I, I also put at least two hours a week in my calendar, locked away, and it's done to look at my relationship building of my network. And, you know, more often than not, I like to reach out and say, how are things going? You know, and people are pretty forthcoming and how can I help? You know, is there anything that you need help with? And man, what I find is, even though we've all been taught professionally by our by our executive coaches or by mentors or whatever, always ask for help, never be the, the person who doesn't raise their hand and ask for help. I find that most people are still just a little uncomfortable asking for help. Um, if someone offers it, it's just a such a, a refreshing thing and a, a refreshing and, and, and a gift. lets people's guard down. So I find that a great way, but I lock two hours a week for that. And I, I, I wish I could do more. Um, but two hours a week and then any any major social event, you know, whether it's the holiday time, whether it's, you know, I, I, obviously I have LinkedIn. I shouldn't say obviously. I assume everyone has LinkedIn. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a given, right? Uh-huh. Anytime somebody has a, a, they post something on LinkedIn, a career move, whatever, like, you know, just a simple congratulations. That's great. Can I help you? It just, it makes that ice breaking part of those conversations just so damn easy. And I, and I, I appreciate it. It's, it's fun. I love that. Yeah. So a, a lot of people look for tactics, right? I, I think that's gold right there. If you, if people want to hone in on something and kind of adjust from it, like every week, I should say, set aside two hours and then look at your network. Or even, you know, if you don't like the word network, look at your relationships and think about how you can help these people. I think that's gold right there. But I want to talk about the business a little bit too. Yeah. So l- let's talk about Kasey. I mean, you know, how do you guys, you know, how do you guys make money? Like, uh, you know, how, how does the, 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 the business model work? Yeah. And this is super cool. I love this company. This is awesome. And it's cool because I think everyone can relate to it. So I'll give the, uh, like the, the high level. So we provide it infrastructure management solutions to small to mid-sized businesses. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't sound too sexy, right? <laughs> so if you think about a small to mid-sized business, we're talking about companies that have one employee up to, I don't know, maybe four or 5,000 or 7,000 employees, like some number like that. So the cool part that I think everyone can relate to is we break the market into two. We have small businesses and we have mid-sized businesses. And we define a small business as a business that doesn't have any IT people. Right. Right. Like a, a doctor's office or a law firm. And our mid-sized business customers are companies that have IT groups of, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 people or so. Not not huge, but that, that's where we focus on. So the cool part is the companies that don't have IT departments, they receive their IT support from what are called managed service providers or IT providers that support local businesses. And those are our customers. So the they're called managed service providers or MSPs. And typically the, the typical Kaseya customer is a 15 person organization they're a provider of IT services to small businesses. And typically we deal with the business owner or you know, the CEO of the company, and they use our products to generate 100% of their revenue. So here's a, a simple example of the, a restaurant that you like to go to, you know, XYZ restaurant down the street. They probably have you know, seven uh, point of sale computers, maybe a Wi-Fi network, um, you know, maybe a couple of like tablets and mobile devices. Well, when uh, the phone system, which is all VoIP now, when something breaks, 
they pick up the phone and they call their managed service provider. So that MSP is using our software, Kaseya's software, to run and manage and secure and back up all of the different technology that exists at that restaurant. So because that managed service provider is using our technology, that restaurant pays them several thousand dollars a month to manage their IT. And our software proactively identifies and remediates any security, general infrastructure issues, network, backup, everything. So hopefully, if if everything goes as it's supposed to go, that restaurant doesn't even realize someone's managing their technology because everything just works. And it works because the company that they've hired to manage their technology is running it on Kaseya. So that's our business. You know, we have uh, about 20,000 customers around the world. Our customers, again, are the IT service providers that are providing this this, uh, technology for the local businesses. And, um, you know, it's, it's a huge market. We're riding what um, you know, Gartner and other analysts say, if you believe what they all say, right? Every analyst has an opinion. But we're riding one of the biggest technology waves that exists. If you think about like in the early 90s, the massive amounts of IT and technology spend that the big enterprise companies did to implement ERP and implement the internet, internet-based solutions and Y2K and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, that technology that used to require hundreds of people to do big integration projects, it's now three generations later. And that technology is now consumable by small businesses. So local and small businesses around the world are now using technology to do things that only the most complicated enterprises could do even five, six, eight years ago. And that's all possible um, because of technology like Kaseya making their computing infrastructure stable. Uh, A classic example of that is if you think about like when I go to my dentist, I get an appointment reminder emailed to me saying, you know, my appointment's at four o'clock on Tuesday. And in that same text that I'll get, it'll say, by the way, here's a coupon for 20% off teeth whitening if you decide to do it. Right. And if you think about how That's a dental office. That dentist doesn't have an IT guy. If you go back eight years ago, people like Citibank or, you know, or, or, you know, giant business to consumer conglomerates, they couldn't even get that right eight years ago. So it's a massive trend and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're rocking and rolling, having a real good time doing it. Awesome. So, okay. If, if let's say I'm an, I'm an MSP, right. And so, you know, I charge, you know, uh, Restaurant XYZ, three or four grand a month. How much am I typically paying Kaseya? So the, the, the rule of thumb we have at Kaseya is for every dollar or euro or you know, whatever currency you're in, for every dollar you pay Kaseya, you're getting at least $20 back in a managed service. So my math skills aren't quick enough to do that calculation. <laughs> so 200 bucks. Yeah, exactly right. So it's, you know, it's, and we're really proud of that. So when we have conversations with our customers, or we have our, you know, we have a big customer conference every year. We get a few thousand people that go. I love being able to sit down and, and the company loves talking to a customer because it's like, listen, we're not making any money unless you're making money. And you're making a hell of a lot more than we are. Right. So let's figure out together how we can conquer the world. You know, it's it's super fun. And we have, we have like I said before, we have a great time doing it. That's incredible. So let's let's put it this way then. So let's say you guys did uh, 200 this year, right? 
Yep, yep. I, I pulled out my cal- I just pulled out my calculator. So oh, okay. So <laughs> does, does it sound about right? You guys did about two hundred this year. Yep. Okay. So if you do twenty x that, then that's four billion dollars. So you guys are basically you know you're generating four billion dollars of value out there in the marketplace. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. So I think another way of looking at it, and that's exactly right, is I think it's fair to say approximately four billion dollars of managed services were powered by Kaseya. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's I mean, it's it's huge. Yeah, it's it's I mean, you know, there's tens of millions of endpoints that are being managed by Kaseya around the world. You know, I mean, I, I would argue uh, one of our MSPs, I, again, I don't want to give the names of our customers because I, I don't have their permission. Sure. But one of our MSPs is a very, very large MSP that focuses on, and I mentioned this before, dental offices. They have about 5,000 dental offices that they're running all the IT for. All that runs on, all that is powered by Kaseya. So, you know, I know, I know most people don't like going to the dentist, so they might get a little frustrated at Kaseya for that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, so it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about it when uh, I was always looking at like the the dentist I go to. They send me all these notes. It's all like you know perfectly timed and like how clearly they're not technology people. So how are they doing this? Now I kind of have a good idea. Yeah, I just have so many questions I want to ask, but I'm going to try to taper it down. I guess for you guys, I'm sure you know it's it's a pretty competitive space, right? What kind of separates you guys from the others out there? Because you guys are doing some pretty good revenue. Yeah, um, you know, and, and to be fair, we have competitors, and they're all great companies. Of course, I think that we're much better, um, you know. But you know, we have everyone has competitors. What makes there's a couple things that make Kaseya, in my opinion, and of course, I'm very biased, right? Um, but what makes Kaseya, I think, by far the best. One of them is we are 100% focused, and everything from our pricing model to uh, how we structure our contracts to our support. Everything is about that 20X, right? You give us one, you get back 20. Or actually, you get 20 first and then you give us one. Many of our competitors sell products that they charge a fee for them and whether the customer's business does well or not, they don't adjust their fee. Mm. So if a customer, you know, their business shrinks 30%, they're not making 30% less revenue. You know, like we are literally aligned at that level and it makes it makes customers feel really good about working with us. The second piece, and this is from a, you know, I don't want to get too gear heady, but when you think about the technology that managed service providers, actually I'll say it a little differently, the technology that small businesses, small to mid-sized businesses, they want to consume and they want to consume it from their managed service provider, There's a lot of things in the area now of compliance, security, backup and disaster recovery. Like, you know, the the, the technology needs of small to mid-sized business is is moving exponentially forward, not just in terms of volume, but in terms of complexity. Again, we're talking about dental practices. 2018, many dental practices have new HIPAA compliance requirements they must comply with. Mm. How the heck is a a dentist going to understand what how to fill out a HIPAA compliance report, more or less who to give it to. So they're looking for like managed service providers to offer them that. And managed service providers are then looking for their partners or their software providers to say, guys, give me a piece of software that can help me manage my customer's HIPAA compliance. Kaseya has a comprehensive suite of integrated managed service ready products that you know is by far the simplest the least expensive, but most importantly, the most comprehensive that represents literally all of the needs 
that managed service providers are being asked from their customers. So we tell an MSP, you're getting the best tech from one place at a lower price in an integrated stack than you are getting if you have to buy three or four other providers. And that message is resonating really, really well. Got it. It sounds like a, a bunch of things, right? It sounds like it's, it's very simple to understand. Everything's packaged well and it's easy to execute on. You guys are providing a complete tool set for people that basically, well, I guess for these MSPs to, to create gold. Yeah, right. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, for you coming into Kasey, I mean, you came in at 75 million, right? I, I when you came into it, and, and this might actually carry over into, you know, your experience across other companies that you kind of came in to help. What kind of important kind of managerial slash structural issues, big issues did you see that you had to change to kind of help gear you guys to 200 million? Sure. So a couple of things. First off, um, before I came on board, I worked with uh, so Insight Venture Partners is the uh, is the private equity owner of of Kaseya. Mm. So I worked with Insight for about four and a half to five months before joining, and we you know so I, I got I was very familiar with the market and and all that kind of stuff, right? So you know, in my opinion, there are two things that any business I don't care if it's technology or if you're building a dam, right? There's two things that are well with a dam it's different because you got to make sure that the architecture is right. But same with tech, right? There's two key things. One of them is people. The other one are customers, right? Knowing what your customer, you know, or your customers, whatever the proper English is, but understanding what your customer is all about and building a culture at a company that addresses how that customer wants to interact with you as a vendor. The second is people or, or, you know, or at the same time, there's people. Once you understand that, making sure that you assemble a team of executives and senior managers and line level managers that are capable of being singularly focused on whatever that customer vision is. And, you know, when I, when I came to Kaseya, you know, we, we kind of, you know, we understood a lot of that in advance. So I brought a team with me, you know, I brought a core group of, of, of a handful of executives and senior managers and line level managers that, you know, from, from, again, we talked about networking before, from my network and people that I've either worked with or socialized with or knew about, I brought about 20 people with me. 20 key people. So day one, or maybe day seven, 20 people joined me. And those are people that, you know, we we talked about the opportunity, we'd kind of prepared for it. You know, if you will, we trained for it for, you know, to give an analogy. And it allowed us to hit the ground running and be completely aligned with what our objectives are. And that is of being a very customer centric 20X focused business. And it probably shaved a year off the time to, to like, you know, supercharge Kaseya to where we got to. So uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, bringing 20, uh, 20 people that you know into a company, I'm assuming they probably had to display some other people. So, I mean, you know, what, what happened there? I mean, did, did, you know, did some layoffs have to happen? Did some people have to be kind of demoted or, you know, fired, let go, whatever? Yeah. So I, I um, so we didn't have layoffs, right? Cause, cause when I came on board the company, we were growing, it wasn't as if you know, the company was a sinking ship or anything. Uh, we were growing. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, no, we weren't like, you know, it was, it wasn't as good as it could have been considering how good the markets were in, but the company was very healthy. But yes, to, to your point, there were people that needed to be replaced. But what I, what I found at Kaseya, it's a little different than other places I've been at, was people weren't always in the right roles. You know, like it's like square peg and round hole. And we had to find for the most part, you know, there were some people that, that didn't fit the, you know, the vision or the strategy, but very few. Most it was just realigning people or 
people were in positions where they either had too much autonomy and they needed to be guided more. Quite frankly, there were a lot of super talented people that were here that weren't given the ability to flourish because the executives they were under weren't really good about empowering people. You know, and, and they weren't good about fostering that creative thought and that and that energy that makes it makes great organizations great. And there were some people that are no longer here. And but there's a lot more of people that were put into different roles because when a new team comes in, there's a new energy and it, it makes people say, you know, here's the box that I'm in. Here's the box that I'm thinking about the company with. Someone new is now in charge. Do You know, maybe the box is going to be different. Maybe I'm going to look at the, my job, the company, my career a little bit differently. And that's something that we, we try to encourage. And I try to encourage it a lot, you know, and it's it works out pretty well. And we do it every year, but it's, it's a good way of, of kind of looking at things. Great. A couple more questions from my end. I know we're, we're going over here, but I'm just so intrigued by this. We'll probably have to do, a, do another one of these someday. So, you know, you coming in, let's say 20 people come in, like maybe you need to let go of 10, 15 people and then five people need to be demoted. What happens to the culture there? I mean, how did that, how did those conversations go, I guess, with those people and how quickly do you make those decisions? Yeah, sure. So I, I think that in the case of Kaseya, anyways, I'll answer it practically and then like sure. maybe put some clarity. So in the case of Kaseya, it was, it was maybe three or four people that, you know, didn't, didn't remain you know, opposed to, you know, the, the, the higher numbers. Um, but there were a lot of people that we moved into different roles and some people that moved into different roles or more roles that were, that, that were more, more appropriate and more suited for their skill sets. Um, any organization needs to really look at what it wants, what kind of a culture it wants out of its people. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in having a culture where performance is by far the most important trait. The only trait more important than performance is integrity and honesty, right? I mean, you cannot lie and cheat and steal or else you're gone, period. But, you know, then you need to be able to perform. And performers, whether they're, you know, a 22-year-old kid out of college or a 72-year-old man get, or woman getting ready to retire, performance trumps everything else. There's no nepotism. There's, there's nothing. It's all about performance. And I think that when, when, when we came here, when I came on board to Kaseya, you know, I made that super clear because, you know, we're all in this together and we're going to win as a group. Now, that's such a cheesy and overused term. Everyone says it. Oh, we're all in this together. We're going to, you know, one for all, all for one. But it's true. And people have to recognize that. And I think that when we came on board, when people saw that we weren't just saying this, this is what we were trying to do. You know, we're trying to change a culture to create a culture of empowerment and with empowerment comes accountability. And, you know, with accountability comes measurable, tangible results that if they're good, that's great. If they're bad, that's not great. And, you know, let's all be honest with each other and and have honest conversations about it. It wasn't as disruptive as you would think, because the people who chose not to be here self-selected. If you go into a place and if you recognize that this is not going to be the pace that I want to be in, some people look at their job and their career and they say, I just want to have a comfortable job. And that's great. However, if you're in a place where the organization wants to grow and move very fast and the culture there is to empower people and give them opportunities to excel, if someone doesn't necessarily want to be the person given the opportunity to excel, they'd rather you know, be, um, you know, uh, more of a traditional kind of nine to fiver, if you will, those people just, they, they kind of self-select out. 
And if you make it so it's not embarrassing, if it's not challenging for someone to self-select out, you know, if you make it very fair and you're very honest with people, I find, you know, you know, I've done this now four times or five times like this. You don't have a lot of challenges. There's always going to be the one or two that, you know, kind of go sideways, but it's, you know, it's treating people with respect and being honest with people. And most people will, will self-select in or out. So that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of how we yeah, start here. That helps a lot because you think about it, you know, people always talk about having the right person, right? Right person, right seat. But sometimes you have the right person, they're in the wrong seat. So you, you, you're kind of giving a blueprint on, on how to deal with those situations. I'm just wondering, let's say you've had someone for, you know, uh, they've been with the company five, six years ago. They've been in the wrong seat the whole time. And then uh, Vacola comes in and says, okay, right person, wrong seat. And that person is not able to perform for, let's say, you know, another quarter. You know, what do you do? Do you decide it's time to let that person go? Like, how quickly do you decide to cut the cord? I'm just wondering for, because you've done this so many times. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a hard, I'm not trying to be evasive. It depends, of course. It depends on the role and it depends on what needs to be done. And I mean, there's so many variables there. So without giving you a specific timeline, because I don't think that there is one, like no BS, like it's just, who knows, right? You treat product managers different than finance people, than sales people, than marketing people. I mean, it's very, very different. Okay. So let's say sales is really fast, but let's say somebody else, let's say maybe it's like a kind of muddled, like creative role. Like, I guess what the question maybe maybe better is, what's the longest you waited, you know, to, to kind of keep giving someone a chance before you're just like, finally, it's like, I just got to let them go. So <laughs> that's a great question. That's an awesome question, actually. So I'll answer two ways. The first way is, I think that what must be considered in the role is people talk about giving someone a fair chance. The word fair is the worst word to ever use in business because the only thing that's fair is, is it fair to the value of the company? What's fair to the individual employee is giving them, putting them in a position to be successful. And if someone doesn't have the skills or someone doesn't have the right, you know, whatever it takes to be successful in a given role, every day they're in that role, all we're doing is, is kind of screwing them over. Like I've been in this role early in my career. There's fewer things more stressful in life than knowing that you're really struggling at your job. <laughs> you know, like mm. it sucks. So I try to be as quick as I can to identify, and I try to encourage this in my team, identify if someone is struggling and then make the decision as quickly as you can. Is it something that can be like rescued or is it something where the situation, for whatever reason, whether it's a lack of skill, a mismatch of, of job, lack of support, maybe the company's letting the person down, but where the position, the, the, that person will not ever be successful in that role or in a reasonable amount of time, call it three months to a year. I've never seen anything longer than a year. I can't imagine that would be longer than a year. If it takes longer, quite frankly, if it takes longer than three or six months to make the assessment not to take action, but to make the assessment. If it's longer than three months, there's a problem. Now, the, 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 the way you remediate it might be much longer than three months. The, the, the remediation might be we have to find this person a different role in the company within the next year. But if you can't make that decision within three months, there's something wrong. I love it. Great. Perfect. So final question for you. We're definitely going to have to do a part two one of these days because this is really great. So, Fred, what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? One must-read book. Can I give a couple? Because there's a couple of books yeah, I love. Yeah, do it. So <laughs> I'll give a personal book first. I'm a huge fantasy science fiction fan. And there's an author, Robert Jordan. 
He has a series called The Wheel of Time. I highly recommend everyone reads it. It's like 16 books. The characterization is phenomenal. You can see over the 15 years the series went on, the different political landscape that's happening in the United States reflected in this fantasy world. That's like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Super neat. From a, from a business perspective, there's three books that I just really enjoy. One of them was given to me from my mentor, Yoki Slonim, Five Temptations of a CEO. Awesome book. Oh, that's that's so good. I, I have that sitting in one of – yeah, I see it. It's, it's sitting on my bookshelf right there. Dude, totally rocks, right? Another one, same author. I think it's Lincoln, right? Same author, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And uh, Court Cuttingham from Yodel recommended that book to me. Phenomenal book. Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And then one that uh, a number of people have recommended to me early on my career and even later on, and it's a book that I think I think it help it helps me anyway. Um, just really be very try to be as honest as I can with myself, which is a hard thing to do as human beings. Like you know, because sometimes we we don't always want to admit our faults to ourselves. Um, it's called leadership and self deception, mm. and then it's you know the, underneath it's getting out of the box. That's a great read, not just professionally but personally. You know, for like relationships with your parents, your significant others, your kids, phenomenal book. Um, but it's but it's a it's, it's a business book. Uh, those are three books that I would recommend anyone who you know who really enjoys thinking about business, especially in fast moving and fast changing businesses. These are phenomenal and they're awesome, uh, and I I, I I I strongly recommend them. And I'm not getting paid for making the recommendation either. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I think maybe this is a good point to make to the audience. It's you know I have all three of those books. I actually haven't read them yet, but I think when you listen to podcasts like this, whenever and this is what I do is I if I hear a book that I haven't heard of and you know I hear it recommended twice I just go to Amazon and I one click order it because the thing is like I'll spend all this money on books but even if I could get one good idea and I spend let's like, a 2 3 4000 dollars even if I don't read like 99% of them it's still a big win if I get that one idea right so that's how I think of it I think that, you know those three books I've heard so many times they're just kind of sitting there right now because I'm on other books but I highly recommend you know go to the show notes add those books to your Amazon make your life easy so Fred, what's the best way for, for people to find you online? Uh, the best way is, you know, send me an email. It's uh, Fred, F-R-E-D, dot Vicola, V as in Victor, O-C-C-O-L-A, at Kaseya.com. And that's spelled K-A-S-E-Y-A.com. You know, you can also check out, uh, you know, I'm, I'm LinkedIn, Fred Vicola, obviously. Um, and, um, yeah, um, those are the best ways to get me. And, you know, please, if you uh, – if anyone has any interest in infrastructure technology, check out Kasey. You're going to love it. Great. All right, Fred, thanks so much for doing this. Awesome. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.